Raised the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip, zap, kazoo! The Buckos just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop, and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play! Welcome and thank you for tuning in to 412 Double Play Podcast. I am your host, Michael Casargano, joined this week by nobody. A couple of scheduling conflicts and then an unruly toddler has me on a later than normal recording session. So it is a solo run today. Seriously, though, uh, three years old better be the peak for toddler angst. Anyone who says terrible twos may have had a different experience. Twos was a breeze for this one, but... Three-nature phase is a nightmare. Can't wait for that to be over. This concludes the parenting portion of this Pirates podcast. So let's move on to some baseball-related stuff. Uh, topics for this week. The Fort, Michael McHenry, friend of the show, we've had him on before, has been doing the podcast circuit this past week. If you haven't uh, checked them out, he talked to the NS9 guys for a two-hour show. Gary Morgan on the Pirates Fan Forum, a little over an hour. Both episodes were loaded with information. Definitely check out both of those if you have the time. Um, we may need to have Ford on again sometime because there was a, a number of things that he was very fired up about. Some of the stuff that he talked about, the regional sports network situation. He advised that discussions are still ongoing as to whether or not the Fenway Sports Group acquires broadcasting rights alongside the Pens through NESN or if MLB will take over. It seems like his preference was more towards keeping us, keeping the Pirates coupled with the Penguins and that that may be a better plan. From what we've been told before, the move to MLB would immediately slice their income, like operating budget from what they get currently to 70% of the existing one or something like that. I think it was around 70%. It's possible Fenway Sports Group may be able to get a little closer to the existing deal. Either way, it is going to be different than it had been in past years, to, but to what extent it transforms will uh, remain to be seen. He also mentioned JT Brubaker and that he's already started a throwing program in his rehab from Tommy John surgery that he had earlier this year and potentially could be back in games by July. I felt like that was an aggressive timeline. We mentioned last week that he could be a potential uh, DFA candidate, non-tender, really. He's uh, up for arbitration. I think it was like 3.2 million, two, two to 3 million, something in that range. Uh, 
not something that would really rock the boat too much. But at the same time, if you're looking at a player who potentially won't play the whole season, I think it's a second to last year, he would be ARB eligible before his free agency. And because it's very unpredictable how that process can go, how easily players could experience setbacks, re-injuries. You see it with guys like Steven Strasburg. I think last now down in Tampa, he had a former pirate, a number of issues where he would re-injure his elbow or you, you just don't know how that. Honestly, I hope that that is the case. Bruce, I mean, he's a gritty player and you need as many gritty players as you can get when you're entering this kind of stage of the rebuild. So speaking of rebuilds, he also mentioned Rod Barajas, most famous for his inability to throw any base runners out or hit his weight while with the Pirates in 2012, felt that he was a higher benefit for the team than Russell Martin, most famous for the home run in the wildcard game 2013 off of Johnny Cueto. Now he said this in regards to how he worked at the pitching staff, the work he did with AJ Burnett, J-Mac, John McDonald, uh, or James McDonald, excuse me, uh, Kevin Correa, they all had uh, greatly improved seasons from the year before. So uh, catcher has a lot of facets which are overlooked by fans. Perhaps down the road history may look more kindly on Austin Hedges and his tenure with the team. As we're heading into 2024, we currently have two very young, very talented catchers to different degrees in which they can help the team. We've seen in the minors, Andy Rodriguez, his bat played really well in 2022. It was helped by an absurdly high BABIP, but the exit velocity numbers were up earlier this season, and there he was showing a bit more pop down the stretch. The last couple games of the season, I think that was starting to show up. He had a couple doubles at least, but the defense was improved. I think that he was in those last couple months, certainly experiencing some peaks and valleys of game calling, but was starting to gain trust for pitchers, starting to kind of figure things out. Henry Davis on the other side, though, only caught two innings at the top level. He has hit very well in the minors, wasn't able to hit. He was, um, hamstrung by his finger injury or his um, hand injury, excuse me, that may have been a, an ongoing problem later on in the season and sapped his ability to hit much. It does seem like there may be time that he's going to be spending out in the outfield. As to the extent of that, it's really hard to say. I think that the outfield is not set yet. You've got Brian Reynolds, who's definitely going to be locked down for left field. Uh, he was below average defensively through, I think, almost all metrics. I believe outs above average, he was negative one. Defensive run saved, he may have been about par. Jack Sawinski, I, I, I've mentioned before that I feel that he would be better in right field and that we should go out and get someone like um, Harrison Bader, to or Michael uh, Michael Taylor potentially to play center field somebody who who 
has more defensive experience there and that Sawinski would be able to play better in a corner position. However, he is okay there. He's he, he can play and having those two does leave that right field corner available for someone like Davis to get more regular reps. If they sign another veteran, someone whom I've liked in the past and is up for a gold glove, David Peralta transitioning over to the gold glove conversation is someone who I think would fit in really well there as a part-time bench role playing some corner outfield. So speaking of gold glove, the nominations actually dropped this past week. The only current pirate aboard was of course, key Brian Hayes, notably defending platinum glove winner and 10 time gold glover. Nolan Arenado was absent from nominations after he posted his worst defensive performance of the season. I think overall he had three defensive runs saved, something like that. Overall, I think Jared Triolo, who played in much less games, was higher on the list than he was. So I I thought that was understandable. Uh, Key Brian Hayes is up against Colorado Rockies third baseman Ryan McMahon. And Austin Riley of the Braves, both of them. Austin Riley's kind of an aberration being there because he has notably not been more than proficient defensively in his career. I think that's more of a nod, as many of us have said in the past, to his offensive acumen than his glove work. I'm sure he's worked hard, and he was at least... Above, I think his outs above average was like plus four or something like that. I shouldn't be throwing out numbers. I don't have them in front of me. But uh, Ryan McMahon, I mean, he's always going to be in that conversation. He's done really great work. Hayes is, I, in my very biased opinion, head and shoulders above him, head and shoulders above most of the rest of the league, perhaps the entire rest of the league. So we'll do predictions for next week as far as who we think will be uh, getting the gold gloves. Spoiler, Hayes for third base in the NL. Um, In addition to some of the other awards, um, which will include platinum gloves. Looking for a healthy snack that is high in protein and actually tastes good? Check out Built Bars and Built Puffs. With new flavors dropping all the time, these bars are packed with protein while tasting like chocolate bars. From brownie batter to cookies and cream, salted caramel, and my favorite, cookie dough chunk, these are a delicious and protein-packed meal alternative for every member of the family. Order on Built.com and use code Janelle10 for 10% off. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E, the number 10, for 10% off your next Built order today. I have to look over the schedule if that's going to be announced. But additionally, Carlos Santana was nominated for NL first baseman. Did obviously play most of the season with Pittsburgh. His best defensive season. This would be his first gold glove if he were to win. He led the National League first baseman in defensive runs saved with 11. Um, So fielding percentage was pretty good. His range overall wasn't great. He's nominated with Christian Walker and Freddie Freeman. Both are perennial contenders for the award. I think it would be an uphill battle. Kind of a long shot for Santana to win. 
Both of those other two have won previously. Walker, I believe, is the defending gold glove winner. But, I mean, it'd be a nice little, like, feather in the cap if Santana were to do that. He notably did come up as a catcher and has developed excellent instincts at first base. And that kind of goes back to another conversation that Fort had, I believe, with Gary last week discussing moving players to first base because we've had a lot of talk from fans and podcasters, even us as far as where Henry Davis settles long-term, if he is going to manage to be a catcher, at least in some role, whether it's splitting time evenly with Andy or if he usurps him in the role. I mean, it's really hard to say off of, this small sample size that we've had so far. If he's going to stay in the outfield, if they're going to do some sort of a rotation with a third catcher, such as delay or someone else delay proved to be admirable in that backup role. Certainly isn't anything where you're going to say that you need to get rid of him there are some other options internally down the road. I don't think that any of them are necessitated. I think that if and delay is probably league minimum, if they're going to say we need to go three catchers, someone to pair with Davis and Endy delays a fine choice there. But for first base, Davis has never played it. There's talk about Triolo. Triolo has done really well there. But I think that's more because he has worked there some, not a ton. I think he's he's just such a good fielder that, I mean, he his best position is third base, but he can play shortstop and be above average. Second base, I think he if, if he ends up winning the second base job next year, he's going to be in the gold glove conversation at the end of the season if he plays enough games. Uh, he's just really good. He could end up at first base. I don't think the bat really plays enough for it. But you look at some guys who have made that trans or tried to make that transition to first base um, or tried to make the transition to the outfield, like learning a different position at the major league level, like Davis was asked to do. He only had a handful of, of games really in the minor leagues where he was in the outfield. It was a completely different mindset for him. He came into spring training with a catcher's glove and the mentality that this is my job and I'm not going to lose it. And the organization, I think, felt fairly differently. Not that he can't be a catcher. I think that is definitely still something that's on the table, but it it certainly seems like they are evaluating to see if there are some other options uh, to make him a more versatile player, which has been something that they've promoted overall. But as far as first base, Andy's played some first base in the minors. They still have Connor Joe. He's going through arbitration. They likely will work something out with that. But even he, he did all right there. But he, he's normally an outfielder. 
you have him moving outfield first base. He's not 100% comfortable. You're going to see some issues. His his range overall, his instincts are not going to be top-notch. And it's really hard to see internally of the guys who are, are likely to at least be on the 40-man who really takes up that mantle. Like a lot of people were hoping that someone, uh, Matt Gorski, would have another strong year and be able to rise up, or Malcolm Nunez, part in the, the Cardinals trade last year, along with Oviedo, would be able to have a strong 2023 season and rise up to take over that position, or at least put themselves in that conversation for 24. That didn't really happen. That didn't. The first base is like the easiest and yet the hardest part because you think, okay, whoever's the worst defensively, whoever has the least range goes over there. But that guy also handles the ball third most on the field. It's pitcher, catcher, first base. Because there's a, the runner's got to go to first to get to second, to get to third. The first baseman's going to touch the ball on maybe half. No, probably more than that. Probably like 70%. Once again, throwing out numbers. I have no frame of reference on this. 70s to 80% of the time when the ball is put in play. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> 100%, I guess. They're frequently going to be handling the ball. You need someone who is able to handle the bounces from O'Neill Cruz because he'll, he's either going to throw it in the dirt or it's going to be airmail. And Santana, in that first you know two weeks before Cruz got injured in 23, did a pretty good job over there. He was a bit taller than Michael Chavez, who I think was all right, but you know he had some things working against him. I've mentioned in previous weeks a couple of candidates externally who they could pursue if they go with someone like Brandon Belt as a, a free agent contract, possibly have to overpay for him. But like the market's kind of thin. If they go without having to trade someone, that may be one of the better routes to go. I just don't know. Kind of looping back to this Davis fitting at first base hard to find that working and if they say tomorrow hey this offseason we want you to work on first base defense we want you starting spring training focusing on first base as your job the dude's gonna just put in all the work to make sure that's the case but there's so much more value if he can be a catcher if he can hit the way that he's shown he can hit in the minors and he can be at least average, at least serviceable behind the plate. And he's young. He's, what, less than 100 games in the minors before he debuted, where he was catching, because he was DHing a lot. And this past season, he started having some time in the outfield. There's going to be a learning curve. And... He's a competitor, and there's a lot of like gutsy and grittiness to this team, and it's really exciting to see. But I'm going to go ahead and end my tangent on that and pivot over to the Arizona Fall League, 
where we have someone who has played some first base, may actually be in consideration here, mostly been outfield in the AFL. We talked about him last week, Jace Bowen. Another strong week with two home runs, five RBI, a 333, 391, 667 triple slash. Among the qualified hitters in the Arizona Fall League, he is now eighth in OPS as of this recording, October 22nd, with 1.048, seventh in slugging, uh, 625, fifth in batting average at 359. He's tied for fourth in home runs with three and tied for second in RBI with 15. Now, this is a small sample size. We were just talking about small sample sizes. This is what, 15 games? Dude has been raking. We've mentioned before that he's on that Rule 5 bubble, whether or not they add him or not. Spent most of this past season in Greensboro. Got a five games, six games, something like that sample in Altoona before the season ended. Was not enough time. Really, We talked with Craig Toth earlier this year about, or no, we talked to, um, excuse me, Cody, Cody Patanko of Pittsburgh Baseball Network about Bowen and why he wasn't getting called up and that he certainly merited it. His play has been excellent and he's continuing that. AFL is a really good league. It's not the top. You see like the Dominican Winter League. I think that would be a much higher competition level for him because you get some guys who are currently in the majors or guys who are fighting to get back into the majors who have played uh, in that league. But He's got a lot of top prospects that he's facing. And the fact that he's up there, and I just read off the ranks where he is in the rankings with that. I mean, that's pretty incredible. The team that he's on, the Saltwater uh, Rap, uh, what are they called? Not Saltwater, uh, something. They haven't been as good. Salt River Rafters. These names. They have not been performing as well, but like Bowen, that's really I, I'm I'm really excited that he's been doing so well there. So another Pirates prospects, Carter Bins, hasn't played as much, but this past week he had two games, went four for eight with two doubles and a home run. I think he's also Rule Five eligible. I don't. I don't know that he gets added. I don't know that there's space for it. I don't know that you try to focus on that because he is pretty much profiling as a backup catcher. Vision, he's, you know, I think that we've, I've heard good things about his defense and that he, he calls a good game. He catches his receiving seals are solid. All the makings of an excellent backup catcher. I don't know how that, hands out for his future because you know you don't want to get into like an Austin Hedges role, but his he's doing pretty well in the AFL. That's a tough league sometimes. But that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. Shorter episode this week. We'll be back next week with our normal length one, a normal broadcast team, perhaps. But thank you for listening. You can follow me on X at 412 Double Play. Continue listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else podcasts are found. Make sure to subscribe so you get notified when we do drop our new episodes. From all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us, and let's go Bucks.